It is a great joy to be with you this morning and an honor and a privilege. And Lisa and I want to thank you so much for putting your trust in us. And I want to say it's ultimately never in us. It's in the Lord. Paul himself said, uh, who is competent for these things? It's Christ. It's the Lord who gives us the strength in our weaknesses to do his work and uh, to build up his church and his kingdom. We thank you for the welcome that we have received so far and the welcome that we are continuing to receive from this church family. In our journey, God has, and in my personal journey, God has taken me from Chattanooga. This is my hometown. And I guess as much as Any place on this earth is home. This is home for me. But God took me from Chattanooga to Greenville, South Carolina, where I met my wife. And then we went to St. Louis, Missouri, and then back to Chattanooga, and then to Marietta, Georgia, and then to a small town that's an exurb of Charlotte called Lincolnton, and now back to Chattanooga. And it feels like we're coming home. But what I also want to say is that through that journey, and many of you have been through similar journeys, I have learned something. That as a Christian, there's really no place on this earth that is home, except with the family of God, with Christ and with the family of God. And we believe that we have found a home here at Hickson Presbyterian Church, and we look forward very much to worshiping with you and praying with you and serving with you and with this wonderful staff and being a part of this church family. Thank you so much for inviting us to be a part of this ministry. This morning I'd like to read from God's word from Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16. Matthew Chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Let's hear now the reading of God's word. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would continue to be with us as we worship this morning, as we study your word. May we not only understand it intellectually, But may it grip our hearts and our souls. And may it change the way that we think and the way that we live. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, Jesus tells his disciples that they are the light of the world. And that we are to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and glorify God. Now, 
you may have noticed that Jesus also said immediately before this that we are the salt of the earth. Christians are both salt and light, and that's true. But this morning, I want to focus on the statement that we are the light of the world. The reason for this is that it would probably take a whole other sermon to expound and apply the principle that we are the salt of the earth. And I have, in 27 years of ministry, at times made the mistake of preaching two sermons in one service on Sunday morning. And I don't want to do that this morning. Uh, When I've done that, my wife will say something to me like, uh, I really enjoyed your preaching this morning. I got a lot out of both of the sermons that you preached. So she was a little concerned about this. It's my first Sunday with you. And so she was kind of cheering me on this morning and mentally getting me ready as we were driving over. And she said, now, Jim, be concise, be get to the point. And, And by the way, how many points do you have? And so at this point, I was just messing with her. And I said, seven. But I really only have three points this morning. Uh, Jesus tells us that as his disciples, we are to be the light of the world. And in order for this to happen, three things must take place. First of all, the light of Christ must shine brightly within us. The light of Christ must shine brightly within us. Now, notice that I said the light of Christ Not our light, but the light of Christ. Yes, we are the light of the world. But you see, Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And then in John 1, 9, we read the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. So whatever light we have comes ultimately from Jesus Christ. And apart from him. We would be walking in darkness. We're like the moon. It can't generate any light on its own. Every ray of light that comes from the moon on the brightest full moon evening comes from the fusion reaction in the sun. The moon simply reflects it. And that's what we do. We reflect the light of Christ in our house in Lincolnton. We live in a nice neighborhood, um, but there are no street lights there. And so at night, it gets really dark. And because of that, everybody in the neighborhood leaves a light on, maybe uh, between the garage doors, or maybe they have a, a, a lamp post like we have. And the light in our post lamp went out this week, and I had to replace it. And this is the bulb that was was in the lamp post. Now, I want to tell you that when I installed this bulb about three or four years ago, it's a compact fluorescent bulb, it was white. But after burning night after night for, say, three years, it gradually turned into a bug light. That's what it is. It's a bug light. It's yellow. And you know, we, we noticed that the light was getting dimmer and dimmer and you couldn't really find your way to the door very well. What we didn't realize was that it was also repelling the bugs because for some reason, bugs don't like yellow light. And, you know, this can happen to Christians, too. We can, without realizing it, become bug lights 
We start out bright, shining for Christ, excited about the Lord. But over time, maybe because of struggles and trials and weariness and sin, we yellow to the point and the light dims and we become bug lights. And we're not attracting anybody anymore. We don't want to be a spiritual bug light. This thing's going to roll all over the place. There we go. Um, So the light of Christ must shine brightly within us. We need need to, to come to the Lord daily. We need to read his word. We need to pray. We need to be in fellowship with God. We need to nurture that relationship with God so that that the light of Christ will shine brightly within us. Now, we can say that the reason people aren't coming to Christ in great numbers today, the reason there's not a revival today is because people are enemies of God, and and that's true, and we could wax theological and we could say that it must be because they're not elect, and that's certainly true. But part of the reason in this generation fewer and fewer people are coming to Christ Fewer and fewer people of the rising generation of young people are, are, are committing themselves to Christ and to a church family is because they haven't seen the light of Christ shine brightly in us. And they're not attracted to the message as a result. Jesus told his disciples, we're to be the light of the world. And we need to love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and follow hard after him. The closer we are to Christ, the brighter his light will shine within us. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's what we're supposed to be. Lights shining in the darkness. Now, the second thing that needs to happen if we're going to effectively be the light of the world is that the light of Christ must shine brightly among us. Brightly among us. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Christians are not only to reflect the light of Christ as individuals, but we're to live and worship and serve together as a community, and in this we are like a city. Now notice that the first word in verse 14 is you. A funny thing happened in the English language on the way to the to the 17th century. We lost the distinction between the second person singular, which is the, and the second person plural, which is you. So now the word you can either mean one person or many people. And you have to go by the context in contemporary English to find out which which 
it is. But in the Greek and in most other languages, there is a clear distinction between the, the, the second person singular and the second person plural. There are a few groups like the Quakers that still try to use that old form of speech. And they say thee and thou and thy. Several years ago, I visited a Quaker meeting house, not not for a service, but I, I went in and there was a sign outside the door right as you go into the meeting room. And it said, friend, hast thou turned off thy cell phone? <laughs> but the rest of us struggle to, to, to make that distinction between the, the singular you and the plural you. So in the South, we say, y'all. And in the north, they say, you guys. And then there's some people that have bounced around between both, and they say, y'all guys. I worry about them. My friends, I want to assure you that when Jesus says, you are the light of the world here, he means you and I in the plural sense of the word. All of us are the light of the world. Not just individually, but as a community of believers. As a city of God's people, we're to demonstrate the light of Christ by the way we live together in fellowship with one another. By the way we work together. By the way we encourage each other. By the way we hold each other accountable. By the way we... Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and bear each other's burdens. We are together to be the light of the world. We're to be a city on a hill. Now, if you were in a big stadium full of people, let's say maybe at the Olympics, and they usually do this at the Olympics, and you lit one candle, probably no one would see it. But if everyone in the stadium is holding a candle and it's lighted, it's not only producing quite a lot of light, but it's, it's a very beautiful thing. It's a very inspiring sight. And that's what Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to not only be individuals who are the light of the world, but a community of believers who are contributing to a light that is brighter than the sum of its parts and that is beautiful and that is attractive and and, and people want to be around because they're in darkness. And so when people look at Hickson Presbyterian Church, God wants them to see the light of Christ displayed among us. In my own life, I became a Christian right about the time I turned 16. And it was through the ministry of K. Arthur. And I had heard the gospel many times and had read much of the Bible. But it was through the teaching of K. Arthur. And at that time, she taught a large Bible study of teenagers. It was through that ministry that I finally understood And accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord. But one of the things that profoundly affected me was the difference in the lives 
of the young people that I saw that were a part of that group. They were different. They were different. They were very serious about their faith. They were not only serious about their, their love for God and their walk with God, but, but they were very serious about their love for one another. And you know, it was said of the early Christians, my, how they love one another. Francis Schaeffer calls that the ultimate apologetic. How we love one another. People will know that you're my disciples, Jesus said, if you have love for one another. People need to see the light of Christ shining brightly among us. As each of us join together in serving the Lord. And so one of the things we want to be sure to do, and that I am tasked to do here, is to welcome the newcomers. To to be hospitable to those who are being attracted to that light. You know, because what we can do is we can become so familiar with with our good friends that we've known for so long, that new people come and they're just trying to find a place to fit in. And after a number of months, they they just can't find an entry point. They can't find fellowship that goes beyond the superficial. And so we want to reach out to them. We want to open not only the doors of our church to them and our homes to them, but the doors of our hearts to them. The light of Christ must shine brightly among us. And then finally, this morning, as we look at this passage, the light of Christ must shine brightly around us. The light of Christ must shine brightly around us. Jesus says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he goes with, on with this illustration of a lamp put on a stand. And you've seen those lamps that they used in uh, Bible times, oil lamps. They didn't put out a whole lot of light by today's standards. So if you wanted to light the house, you needed to put it up high. You needed to put it on a stand, not on the floor. But up on a stand, a lamp stand, Jesus said, people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. We're to be a city, not down in the valley, but a city set on a hill where everybody can see, where we live out our faith openly and boldly and winsomely. And brightly for Jesus Christ. We want to reach people for Christ. But today, we find that our country is becoming a mission field. And I think, unless Chattanooga has changed a lot since I served here uh, 25 years ago. We also are in a community that already has quite a number of churches. You might even say it's saturated with churches. 
Now, when you're in a situation like that, you have basically three options. You can spend your time complaining about how, you know, people just aren't seeking the Lord anymore. This country's just going down the tubes. And we find that in meeting after meeting, we we end up talking about how bad things are today and, and the converse, how good things used to be. I call that the gospel of the good old days. And I think it's deadly. I think it's deadly. Or you can do something that I have never wanted to do in my ministry or any ministry that I was a part of. And that's try to convince people that we're better than the church a couple of blocks away. You know, you see it in their church uh, slogans, maybe on their internet uh, uh, website. Come see the difference. And a lot of times it's not the difference that Christ is making in our lives, but let's come see how we're different from the other churches that you've been to in the past. I've never wanted to do that because ultimately when you do that, what you're doing is you're just reshuffling the sheep from one flock to another. Now, we're going to welcome people who come here. Maybe they move here like Lisa and I are doing. And, and, and maybe they have some need that's not being met. A lot of times people are in a theological pilgrimage and they start in one place and they end up at Reformed Theology through their study of God's Word. And we want to receive those people. We want to welcome those people. We, we want to, to uh, embrace them and disciple them, and, and, and we certainly don't want to overlook them. But I think that when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, he didn't have in mind that you're going to be brighter than the church down the street, so you're going to attract more sheep to your flock. I don't think that's what he had in mind. I think that he meant that we would be a light shining in the darkness. A man came to me one time, very first church I ever served. I don't even put it on my resume because it was, I was a supply pastor when I was in seminary for two years at a little church out in the country. And he had grown up in that church, but he was just sort of a nominal Christian. He came because his wife came. The kids were in Sunday school. And somehow, God got a hold of him. And I don't take any credit for it. Because what I've found over the years is that, that the Holy Spirit works through one person to, to, to really reach somebody and through another person to reach somebody else. And we're all on the same team. There's no Paul or Apollos or... We're all followers of Jesus. But God got a hold of Mike, and, and he told me after about a year, I mean, he just started soaking up the Bible and growing in his walk. And he said, if you told me a year ago I would be at this place in my life, I would not have believed it. See, that's what we want to see happen. I remember particularly when we were in Marietta, we would see this. A lot of people, they would, they would come, and, and we were on a very visible corner uh, at, after we built a new building. And people, we had a lot of visitors, and people would come in, and after maybe a, a month or so, they would say, now, what is that Bible that you're reading from? I, what, what is that? And I would recommend a Bible to them. And then maybe a few more months later, they would say, these Bible studies that are in the bulletin, I think I'd like to go to one. 
And we would just watch as the Lord worked in their lives and took people from a place of either where they didn't know the Lord or maybe they really had never been discipled to becoming uh, mature believers in Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. That's what we're called to do. To be a light on a lampstand, to be a city on a hill. So we need to put the light of Christ up high on a stand so that it will attract and win people who have not yet received him as Savior and Lord, who have not yet been discipled in their walk with Christ. You know, I like to see a church up on a hill like this church is. I've been a part of two churches uh, that needed to get facilities. One was a revitalization, and we sold the original building, and we bought some property. And I remember telling the the uh, property search committee, you know, if possible, wouldn't it be nice to be up on a hill? I always like a church on a hill. doesn't have to be a big hill, but on a hill. I don't like a church down in a hole. You know what I think the worst name for a church is? The worst name, well, the next to the worst name for a church is Hidden Hollow Church. It's just down there in the hollow, and it's hidden. I mean, if revival breaks out, nobody's going to know it because this church is hidden. If persecution comes, they don't have anything to worry about because nobody knows they're there. The only thing worse than Hidden Hollow Church is old Hidden Hollow Church. It's not only in the hollow, and it's hidden, but everything there is old. Hymnals are old. The pews are old. Everything's old. Not very exciting. I like to see a church on a hill. But, uh, you know, when Jesus said, you are a city set on a hill, he really wasn't talking about a physical hill, was he? I mean, we know that. He was using a figure of speech. He was saying, I don't want my disciples to spiritually be down there hidden in the hollow. I want my followers, my church, my people to be like a city set on a hill. So here we are today, a church that is perched up on a very commanding hill overlooking Hickson. And when I accepted the call to become your assistant pastor, my my parents and some of my old friends in Chattanooga said, Now, Hickson Presbyterian Church, that that's that church up on the hill, isn't it? I said, Yep, that's the one. And this evening, there's going to be a great celebration because you're going to do something that I've only done once. And that is to burn a mortgage on a wonderful piece of property in a very excellent and visible location, but it's not on a hill. And the leaders of the church in consulting and praying and studying where the church is right now has decided now's not the right time to build. That we have some things to do in the life of the church, in the spiritual life of the church in the discipling of the members of the church before we build. And you know what? That's a wise decision. 
because we built a church in Marietta and we, we got the we got the bump that you get when the church goes up and then we kind of plateaued. And I think one of the reasons we kind of plateaued is that we hadn't done this foundational work well enough of discipling people and making sure that we all had a common vision and that we were all working together and using the gifts of the Holy Spirit together to build up the body of Christ. And so this evening, you're going to burn the mortgage on this wonderful new piece of property. And uh, before we build on it, we've got some work to do. We want to work hard at welcoming newcomers and assimilating them. We want to try to close the back door of the church, which is always important to do. We need to expand and develop the, the kinds of ministries that are putting the light of this church up on a lampstand. Things like the tutoring ministry and VBS and the ministry to Bethel Village and, and many others that I, I don't even know about yet and, and that, that none of us know about yet, but God's going to raise up as we work and pray together. We want to put the light of Christ on a lampstand among us so that it will shine brightly to the community around us. You see, we need to become a church, not just on a physical hill, but on a spiritual hill. A spiritual hill that's, that's, that's really higher than this hill or any other hill in this beautiful town of ridges and mountains. And I'm much too new here on my first day to know when the time will be right to build on that new site. But here's my goal. When that day eventually comes and we build a new facility on that beautiful land and we move to that location, if someone says, now, Hickson Presbyterian Church, isn't that the church that used to be up on that hill? You know what I want the answer to be? It's still on a hill. It's still on a hill. It's a different hill. It's a higher hill. It's a hill from which the light of Christ will shine brightly throughout this community and on to the world. It's a city on a hill that will bring light to the darkness and the dark places in this community. And people will come to know Christ as Savior. And they'll be discipled and lives will be changed. And our Father in heaven will get the glory. Let us pray. Father in heaven, how humbling it is to think that we redeemed sinners have been described as the light of the world when in reality you are the true light. But Father, help us to polish up the glass on this mirror so that we can reflect the light of Christ more brightly. Help us, we pray, Father, 
to demonstrate the light of Christ more fully in our relationships with one another. Because if, if we can't demonstrate the light of Christ among us, we have no message for the world outside. And then, Father, we pray that you would make us a city on a hill. And that we would look for opportunities to boldly and winsomely and lovingly be a witness for Christ. Using the gifts that you've given us and the opportunities that you providentially bring into our lives. And the knowledge that you still have sheep out there who are lost. And that you want us to go and rescue Father, help us to be a city set on a hill. Help the light of Christ to shine brightly around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.